All right. Everybody ready to hear the word of God this morning? I know I am. How many of you guys know Stephen Roach? Like, you know who he is? Raise your hand. Yeah, he's a pretty famous guy, pretty incredible guy. Um, I, I, I remember I met Stephen in 1999. You were, you were playing at Elijah and Sally's wedding, and me and Mark Mathis drove up there, and I met you in the parking lot, and he had long, stringy blonde hair. And at that point, he was kind of basically a wandering hippie without a home, you know. And uh, I uh, remember this. So I, I think in the course of my life, I've probably heard at least 10,000 sermons up until this point. I've heard a lot of messages. But I remember this one message in particular, and you preached it. It was, it was 14 years ago, actually, uh, at, a, at another church. And I just remember being impacted greatly and it was it was actually you preached on um being rooted finding a home and and letting your roots sink deep into a place and 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 the the idea was that sometimes we fight against being anchored somewhere because we're afraid we won't get to do the things that we're supposed to do but you were releasing this idea that it's in the being rooted that we get to go do this stuff and man that just took me for uh, years it just took me years and um So anyways, let's give uh, Stephen everything we got this morning as far as a listening ear goes, and let's just start him out with a big Queen City welcome. Well, you know, if a long-haired wandering hippie is preaching on rootedness, you better listen. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a... I'm a refined hippie these days, I guess. <laughs> That's right, a reformed hippie. But, uh, but man, I am so excited to be with you guys today. And um, I do feel like I'm carrying something in my heart uh, from the Lord for you. And uh, so we'll dive into that. But before I, I do that, I just wanted to share a few things with you um, that I have and something coming up that I'm really excited about that I wanted to tell you. But Um, I brought with me several books and one of my albums, but this is a book of poetry that I wrote called A Strange Innocence, and I stole that title from uh, Dorothy Sayers, if any of you you guys know who Dorothy Sayers is. She was a brilliant woman. She was the the first lady to ever be offered ordination um, by the Anglican Church, and she turned it down because she was a mystery writer, and she said, "I'll, I'll win more people. I'll do more work of the Lord if I'm not an ordained minister, and uh, in her uh, photos that they would draw of her. She's sitting there holding a cigarette in her hand, like, and, but she's the most brilliant lady ever. Anyway, so you can look up Dorothy Sayers. She's one of my heroes. I named the book of poetry, A Strange Innocence after her. Um, you guys, uh, probably know Songs of Water. That's our last album. And yeah, I brought that with me. And then this book here, this is the Last pressing that I'm going to do with this because my wonderful wife, who is somewhere around here, is an editor and she wants to get her hands on this book again and, and redo it. But I wrote a book uh, several years ago called Satchel Willoughby in the Realm of Lost Things. And um, it's a children's book for adults who forgot how to be childlike. And um, the whole thing is about this kid, Satchel Willoughby, who uh, loses something and you follow his journey. But it's an illustrated book. Um, it actually got in the top five of a uh, national contest of children's bookery. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so anyways, that one's out there, and this is the last pressing. 
I um, spaced out and forgot my square reader, so I can only take cash and checks for these things today. But um, the last thing I wanted to share with you about, you'll see these cards out there that I brought with me. And um, on March 17th through 19th in Winston-Salem, I'm hosting the fourth uh, The Breath and the Clay Creative Arts Conference. And if you haven't been to one of these conferences, please get yourself there, especially if you're like, well, I'm not one of those creative types. You need to be there. And um, it's it's um, actually Jesse and a lot of folks here have been a part of it. And it's just an amazing time. It's been growing each year. Ray Hughes and Sean Foyt are some of the people that will be there this year. Loud Harp, if you've ever heard of that group. Zach Winters is going to be there. Uh, Benjamin James, I'll be there. It's going to be uh, amazing. I, I have an interactive art installation that we're putting together. We've got workshops. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. Uh, TheBreathInTheClay.com. And I'll give you a secret. If you come and find me afterwards, I'll tell you a code to get you 10% off your registration. All right. Those are my infomercials for today. Ta-da. But um, let's do this. Lord, you are really amazing. And Father, we are grateful to have been invited into your family. And uh, Lord, you alone have the words of life. And so this morning, we posture our hearts and we posture our ears to hear from you. Lord, I pray that you sift the words that I bring and that you um, draw out the gold that will change the lives here, including my own. And so we welcome uh, your spirit. We welcome your teaching. We welcome your revelation, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so here's what I have for you. You and I have been invited to be the innovators of a new and living way for our society. You and I have been invited to co-create and to co-partner with the King of Kings and the creator of the universe to be the architects of hope for our cities. We are the architects of hope. You guys are the architects of hope for Charlotte, North Carolina. And it's... His, his invitation is one that's neither political nor apolitical, but it's one that comes from an ancient past and a promised future, one that is built upon a kingdom of love, one that's lived out in the present. Arthur and Pastor Brian Zond, I don't know if you guys know him, but he wrote a book called Beauty Will Save the World. And I just read his book, and um, he has actually. I've. I, I also have a podcast called Makers and Mystics that you can find on iTunes, and um, I haven't released this yet. But I just interviewed Brian um, for the Makers and Mystics podcast. Actually, there's one I just released with John Mark. Uh, he and I sat down and not just coffee and had a big conversation. So you can find that. But um, Brian Zahn has a book called Beauty Will Save the World, and in it, he has this chapter called "I Am from the Future." And he taught, he, get, he just blew me away with this, this new um, way of looking at what it means to be a prophetic people. And, uh, and he basically gives the idea that to be a prophetic people is not so much that we go around predicting the future all the time, but that as a prophetic people, we are reaching into the age to come. And bringing back the characteristics of that age and living it out in the presence. 
that just blew me away. And I'm in no way saying, of course, you know, the Lord does speak and does reveal things to come and does reveal mysteries that, that, that we haven't seen. But how amazing is that, that we reach into the reality of the age to come, that promised future of the kingdom of heaven fully manifest on the earth, and we live it out in the present. And as we live out the culture of heaven in the midst of our present day, our lives become a prophetic word. Our lives become a preview of the life that is to come. And this is what I feel like the Lord um, would have me share with you guys today is just to remind us that we have been called to be a prophetic people in that way. And, and the more that I study this stuff and the more that I go into this, the word prophetic and the word creative are interchangeable. And when, and I'll explain what I mean by that is when, when Jesus said, Lord, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, it's through creativity that that prayer is made flesh. See, creativity is not just about uh, the visual arts or music or dance, even though those expressions are where we most pointedly see creativity. But creativity is our birthright as those created in the image of a creative God. The way that we live our lives, the way that we run our businesses, the way that we do family, the way that we do education, the way that we cook our meals, the way that we furnish our houses, this is the creative expressions that, that reflect God's image. See, I, I, as a musician and, a, and an artist, I tend to believe that all creativity glorifies God regardless of the content. Before you ever get to the place of content. Now, of course, some content does not glorify God. But creativity itself points to the one who is the creator. And that's why I say um, we're, we're all creatives. I think it, um, it unintentionally flies against scripture to say I'm not a creative person. Um, and so we've been invited into this crazy, miraculous journey with the Lord, where our families and our communities become that preview of the age to come. And um, here's the main thing that I wanted to share with you in that. I felt like the Lord wanted to bring you courage and bravery. And I feel like that some of us are in a, in a season uh, where bravery is required of us to go forward. But what I feel like is the amazing hope and promise from God is that I feel like he is empowering us with a faith and a knowledge of his love and a knowledge of his faithfulness that will allow us to be brave despite present fear. Does that make sense? Like being brave doesn't mean that I'm Superman and I'm not afraid, but being brave means that I have something stronger than fear that's motivating my decisions, you know? And, um, and I'm gonna drop this while I'm at it, but I felt like the Lord shared with me that some of us have been carrying a heavy burden for so long. It's been one out of necessity, something that we felt like we had to do, but we've been carrying more than he actually called us to carry and I felt like the Lord is beginning to unlock the chains of that thing. And he's beginning to set us free from some burdens that are no longer meant for us to carry. And I felt like it's going to take courage from the Lord to receive 
that newness of life because we've become so accustomed to these things. You know what I mean? It's like sometimes because we as human beings tend to be creatures of habit, we like our familiarity, even if it's a dysfunctional familiarity. And, and so sometimes it takes courage to get out of things that we actually want to get out of. <laughs> and I felt like as well that the Lord was saying um, that he is breathing something into us where we have had a sense of aloneness or we've had a sense of isolation or a sense of disconnect uh, where we've had a place of um, just loneliness, you know, and I, or a place of barrenness. And I felt like the Lord was coming to breathe creativity in the place of barrenness. Um, and I felt like he was saying that um, this, this creative expression that he's going to be breathing into it is something that has never been done before. This creative birthing that he's bringing to you individually and to Queen City and to the city of Charlotte. And, uh, and I felt like, again, he said to me, tell them to take courage. <laughs> and he wouldn't tell you to take it if he wasn't bringing it to give it. <laughs> so I just say to you, Lord... Uh, Release the courage and the bravery. My wife said something to me profound yesterday. She um, heard a speaker, and if I was super cool, I would just pretend like I came up with this, but um, I guess I'll just admit that uh, I, di I didn't say this. But the speaker she heard said, bravery is, is like something you do in, in the moment. Bravery is something you have to do uh, in a given situation. But courage is a quality that's uh, cultivated in your life over making uh, repeated acts of bravery. So whereas bravery is something we have to do in a given moment that we're required to do, but the more that we step out and make brave decisions in our lives, the more natural it becomes to live as a people of courage. <clears throat> All right. So I want to pull from a scripture um, that kind of highlights what I'm talking about. It's Luke chapter one, and it's the story of John the Baptist's birth, um, and more so about his father, Zacharias, the priest. And the story tells us that uh, John's mother was barren, and she was unable to have children, but it was a desire of her heart to bear children. And she had prayed, and she had prayed until she had prayed some more, for this um, ability to bear a child. And then finally, long after hope had probably come and gone and come back again, I think you all know the journey as well as I do. Zacharias was a priest and he was going about his ordinary day-to-day -day duties, um, just fulfilling his ministry, doing what he does. And suddenly the, the angel Gabriel shows up unannounced <laughs> and, uh, and scared the mess out of him. <laughs> You know, when God breaks through on Monday morning, it usually scares us. I mean, we might expect him on Sunday morning, you know, but when he shows up on Monday, um, it can scare the mess out of us. But he showed up unannounced and, um, and told him that his prayers had been heard and that the prayers of his wife had been heard. And though she was barren, though this made no natural sense, she was going to bear a son. And some of what the Lord wants to do with you and some of what he wants to do with us makes no natural sense. It makes no natural sense. 
But the angel showed up and said, God wants to give her a son, and he's going to be uh, a tremendous source of joy and gladness for you. He's going to be a tremendous source of joy and gladness for the nation. And he said, and his name is going to be John. And Gabriel continued to expound the prophetic declaration about John's life and mission. But so here we go. In the middle of your ordinary, God is showing up and he's giving you something that makes no natural sense. He's giving you something that's going to be a source of joy. He's going to give you something that's going to uh, be a source of transformation for your city and for your nation. And he's going to give it a name that has no precedent. And I'll explain what I mean by that. Zacharias responded to the angel and he said, uh, well, that's cool and all, but I'm an old man and my wife, and I love his wisdom right here. <laughs> and look, it says it in the scripture. He says, I'm an old man and my wife uh, is advanced in years. <laughs> I love that, you know. I'm an old man. There's no doubt about that. But my wife is, she's advanced in years. Smart man. That's some revelation on that verse. <laughs> uh. So how is this possible? He's like, this is cool. You know, angel showed up. You're prophet telling me all this stuff's going to happen, changing my life. But uh, have you seen us? Is basically what he's saying. <laughs> Are you sure you got the right temple? <laughs> <laughs> have you looked at us lately? And the angel just kind of, you know, does, you know, he says, Zach, need I remind you that I am the angel Gabriel and I stand in the presence of God? I don't function by the rules of your natural world. If I did, I wouldn't be manifest before you here. <laughs> I broke the rules to be here <laughs> in a sense. And he says, I have been sent to you by God. And then Zach was concerned about his own limitations. So part of bravery for us is going past looking at ourselves and looking at our own ability or looking at our own limitations. But instead of saying that, realizing that when God brings a word to us, we have a whole new supernatural paradigm to move from. So if what I'm saying is true, and if what I'm saying is genuinely a word from the Father to encourage you to be brave in the things that he's put in your heart and that he's coming and he's saying now is a time for bravery, now is a time for encouragement, then you have a supernatural foundation. You don't have to believe my words, believe his. He says, um, I was brought to give you news of joy, but Zacharias was consumed by fear. And as a result... Zach was mute until the time of his son's birth. Wow. And rather than that being um, a punishment, I feel like it was an act of mercy. It wasn't punishment. You were afraid and you didn't, and you, you didn't believe this word. So now, <laughs> you know, it wasn't that. But the angel knew that it was important for Zacharias to speak in accordance to the word of God and not to speak according to his fear and not to speak according to his limitation, but to speak according to the word of God. So in mercy, he hushed his mouth until he could work it out. 
And the other beautiful thing is, Zacharias's fear didn't stop the promise from coming to pass. And here's where I'm going with this example. In verse 59, on the eighth day, they were about to circumcise the baby by the customs of their day. And the people present were going to name the kid Junior. Uh, according to my translation of the Bible, they were going to name him Zacharias after his father. But his mother, the, the wise advanced woman that she was, intervened. And she said, no, his name is John. His name is John. And this baffled everybody. And they said, but there's nobody among your relatives that is named John. This doesn't make sense. Nobody else has done it this way. Nobody else has done what you're trying to do. Nobody else. We've never seen this before. You need to name him after something that we're comfortable with. You need to name him after tradition. You need to name him after what we know and what we are familiar with. Do you get what I'm saying? Again, we are called to be the innovators and the architects of hope for our society. We are called to be those that bring the age to come, something really never seen before in the earth, and manifest it into our present day. We are called to go beyond that tradition. You know, I, um, I said before one time, you know, it was rebellion that led us out of the garden, and it might be rebellion that leads us home. A redemptive rebellion, you get what I'm saying. And so they made signs to Zach Sr., hoping that he would clarify the situation for him. And he motioned for a writing tablet. I love that. He wanted to write it down. And he wrote, his name is John. And when he acted in accordance to the word of faith that God had given him, in that act of nonconformity, his tongue was loosed and he began to praise God. <laughs> ah, that's good stuff. Zacharias and John's mother had to find the courage to go against the grain and follow what the Lord had commanded them, though it was out of the box, non-traditional. It didn't make sense to their loved ones around them, and they themselves didn't fully understand the implications of what it meant. They just knew that she was barren. They had prayed for years for supernatural invention, intervention, the angel showed up, it shocked them, left them speechless, and they had to follow. <laughs> and the result of their courage, the result of their bravery, the result of their obedience was that they ushered in the present day those qualities of the age to come. You know, I've been reading this amazing book lately. Um, what an intense title, I love it. But it's called Destroyer of the Gods. <laughs> Early Christian Distinctiveness in the Roman World. This book is incredible. It's, it's a game changer for me because, um, you know, I, I always heard things about the early church and I read things here and there, but I, I never had this thing. I always was like, well, does that mean that I'm, if I start studying the early church that I'm going to think that all we can do is have home church and not, you know, all this. You, you get some weird ideas sometimes and I guess I just didn't really look into it, but this book is so incredible because it shows the distinction and, and the bravery and what the, the first believers 
really faced in order, in, in order to walk out their faith. And it, it blew me away when, because this, this author goes into how um, the Roman world is so unlike our Western culture. Like we have religion and then we have education. We have this. We're very compartmentalized, you know. We like to have our separate boxes to put everything in very neatly, you know. But the Roman world was not like that at all. The, the pagan religion or the, the pagan way of life was that. It was a way of life. And so uh, the, the spiritual beliefs of that culture were so interwoven in every single thing about the culture. You could, there was no distinction of sacred and secular. It was a culture that everything was tied up into the religion and the worship of the many gods that they had. They had a god for this, a god for that. And so when the Christian faith came on the scene, it was a threat to the very thread of their society. It wasn't just like we don't we don't adhere to these strange doctrinal beliefs. It was they will undo our society. And it just gave me a new perspective on what our early brothers and sisters faced, but the bravery that they had and the fact that they were willing to completely um, be disenfranchised from what everyone understood to, to follow this love that had gripped their hearts. It, it blew me away. But the reason I bring that up is because that's the inheritance. Our faith is built upon that great cloud of witnesses that came before us. And so by nature, as a believer in Jesus, you have an inheritance, a foundation of love that we get to build upon, that one is fearless, one that is brave. And so I'm just reminding us of who we are today. Um, thank you, Lord. Ephesians 2.10 is one of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible. And Ephesians 2.10 is poorly translated to say we are God's workmanship in a lot of translations. We are God's masterpiece kind of gets a little better. But when you go back into the Greek, it says we are God's poema. We are God's poems. How amazing is that? So when I say that we're all creative and this isn't just about who's an artist and blah, 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 this is in the DNA of who God is. Jesus is the word and we are the poems. <laughs> we are the poems of God. We are God's art. We are God's masterpieces created to walk out like sentences across a page of our lives in good works that he prepared beforehand for us to walk in. But if we stay put in the familiar and if we don't share our own original, scary, big, innovative ideas that has no precedence, regardless of how scary or untimely they may be, we not only do ourselves a grievous disservice, but we also leave our communities malnourished from neglecting to make our God-given contributions. Now, I don't want that to sound like a sting, but basically I'm saying what God has put inside of you is vitally important to the kingdom that you get it out. It's not about you or me, but God has deposited something inside of us and that if, if we don't allow his bravery to work through us, 
Um, we leave our communities malnourished from what he's given us to feed. Does that make sense? So it's important that we do what he's put in our hearts to do. And I'm not, I'm not uh, endorsing presumption in saying this or rash behavior in the guise of calling it courage. Courage is not void of wisdom. But remember, and, uh, remember, Zacharias had a pretty significant supernatural witness to fuel his departure from the conventions of the day. I'm not telling you to go out and sell everything you own and give alms to the poor, uh, you know, and live in a camper down by the river. I've already done that. <laughs> I wasn't any more holy. Hang on. <laughs> There's a, um, a psychologist I read from the 70s. His name is Rollo May. That's a pretty cool name. It's kind of rock star. But um, he says, courage comes from the same stem as the French word, meaning heart. <laughs> just, just thought I would save myself. <laughs> right. <laughs> But the French word that we get courage from means heart. Thus, just as one's heart by pumping blood to one's arms, legs, and brain enables all the other physical organs to function, so courage makes possible all the psychological virtues. So think about this then. When we act in courage, we pump blood to the rest of the body. When you step out in courage and bravery, we're pumping blood to the rest of the body. We are enabling the rest of the organs of the body of Christ to begin to function. Man, there's resurrection power in that. Man. <laughs> and now for a minute, I want to talk specifically about the courage to create. Whether or not you consider yourself an artist, we've already covered that we're creative people. And if we are God's art, God's poems, then the way we live and the way we create our lives and our communities makes us all artists. And to be an artist, we must be brave. We must have courage and we must be vulnerable. I love that one. We must embrace risk as a natural part of the journey. Creativity is how we create culture. Creativity is how we change the city of Charlotte. Creativity is how we bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Every work of art requires that we stand before a blank canvas or a silent piano or an unfurnished home or a broken city and create something out of nothing, as it were. See, we take our papa's example. He created something out of nothing. And at least metaphorically, every time we create, we do the same thing. You know, when Jesus was there with the 5,000 people and he had, uh, they had nothing. They had nothing to eat. And your nothing is what qualifies us to see his everything. And so they took the loaf and the fish and they broke it and they gave thanks for the nothing that they have. Rather than feeling inward and self-conscious and saying, well, I don't have the skill. I don't have the voice. I don't have the this. I don't have the that. Let's thank him for our weakness so he can become strong. Let's thank him for the seven loaves so we can have seven leftovers. Um, just a couple of more points here. 
I want to encourage you guys in your creative expressions um, that it is God ordained that we diverge from the familiar, that we diverge from the popular even. There's a sound, uh, uh, there is an expression that you guys have that is Queen City. It is you guys, it is nobody else. I remember uh, not too long ago, I was speaking in Denver, Colorado, and um, this girl came up to me after the message and she said, you know, I've, I've really been trying to discover my sound, um, but I just don't know if my sound is a Bethel sound or is it a Kansas City sound or is it a, is it a Morning Star sound? Or, and I said, what's your name? She said her name. And I said, what if it's a you sound? I said, what if, it's, what if it's none of those things? And she looked really baffled. I said, look, I don't promise it'll be popular, but I promise it'll be authentic. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Originality is a commitment to the long arc, I'll tell you that. But it's worth it. And lastly, I just wanted to say, you know, whenever a preacher says lastly that they're lying, (laughs) I learned that from Robin years ago. (laughs) Creativity is a sign of an emotional and spiritually healthy lifestyle. I do not buy into this thing any longer that depression and sorrow and despair is the greatest impetus for creative expressions. I don't buy into it. Back in the day before uh, the love of God wrecked me, <laughs> when that transition was happening, I genuinely got scared. And I asked somebody, I said, what, what happens to the poet when he's been healed? I was genuinely afraid that if I quit doing all of the, uh, if I quit having the drug-induced experiences, if I, if I let go of my depression, if I let go of all this negative stuff that had been my dark inspiration, I was afraid my creative well would dry up. I had no concept that joy was stronger than sorrow. But creativity is a sign of an emotional and spiritually healthy community and healthy lifestyle because in order for us to be uh, creative, We have to be brave. And in order for us to be brave, we have to trust the one that's calling us out of the boat onto the water. And so in 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 my experience, the closer we get to the heart of God and and the and the more that we let his love transform us, the more brave we will become and the more creative we will be. See, for me it was one thing to know that God loved me theologically, but when I got a hold of the idea that God actually liked me. I became pretty unstoppable. (laughs) So as the recipients of God's lavish love and redemption, our inheritance is to be a ridiculously creative people. When we are healed, when we're free, and even in the process of being those things, when we're healthy, we create. And my encouragement, and I want to pray over us, but if that's okay, my encouragement to you guys today is that God is coming to loose our tongues the same way he loosed Zacharias's, that we may speak in accordance to his prophetic promises to us, and we may see the very things we long to see manifest in our lives and in our communities. And I just want to say that natural hindrances are no longer the limitation of our experience. God has come to us and has heard our cries, and he desires to make us a people who are the innovators of our communities and our societies those who live fully in the present 
by the ways of the age to come. In Jesus' name. Sound good? Yeah. So I think Robin's going to come clean up my doctrine and maybe we'll pray. <laughs> yeah, thought he did a pretty good job, actually. Very good. Oh, wonderful. Really. Thank you so much. We love people like you. And people that are not like you. <laughs> I was thinking about a couple of things. And um, one, of, one of the things um, in the foundation of our faith in the life of Abraham, it says that the Lord called him to go to a place he would show him. And I made a note. God didn't tell him where the it was to go to, he just told him to go. He didn't know where he was going. And then we find out that he was, um, he was looking for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And those terms, it's funny, it says builder and maker. Builder and maker. Not builder, not maker. Builder and maker. And that has to do with uh, creative expression and foundational uh, structures. And you need, you, need, you need both of those. And um, I really do like that about Architects of Hope. I'm writing a book on hope now. I'm going to steal some of your stuff. And I'm not going to tell anybody where I got it. <laughs> you stole it. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, that's the key to great art is go find somebody doing something good and do something like it. But anyway, um, he was looking, he was looking for, he was looking for a future place now whose builder and maker was God. He was, he was, there was this mystical, um, drawing for something he knew could exist but didn't exist yet and God told him this is what your life of faith will look like. That's what the life of faith is. Looking for a city, a real city, a tangible expression whose builder and maker is God. Yeah, we're the power of the age to come. So such great stuff. I appreciate that so much. The other thing I thought about is how Hard it is for people like Stephen to make a living. I mean, if you, you know, here's another thing that might strike you. Um, pe people are so disconnected from some practicality, it's a little scary. Look at that, look at that chair you're in this morning. Look, just look at it a second. Do you know how much that chair cost? It cost $25 to purchase, but it cost $1,000 a year to put in here. What are you saying? Our budget 
seats, Heine's in the seats is about $300,000 a year. That means the chair you're in costs somebody $1,000 a year to sit in. Does that make sense? Now, that's reality. And I'm not saying that for me. We already took up our offering. But I'm saying for Stephen, here's this creative guy. I have no idea how astute he is at economics or accounting. I would imagine he's a nightmare. Thank God his wife must not be. And so what I want us to do is receive an offering and realize what, what is a message worth that can actually change your life? What is a message worth to you that could, in a moment in time, take a blinder off your eye, give you hope for a future, make you realize there's more to this than going to church, but that's part of the deal? What? And then look at Stephen. He needs some. <laughs> no. Nah. I just, I want to be sure we give him at least a thousand dollars. I'd rather give him two. And we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna do the best we can to bless him. But I want, I want you to help. And we don't receive a bunch of special offerings here. But my goodness, a special offering to me is when you give to a special person. That to me is the essence of a special offering. So, if you would like an envelope, if you'll uh, stick up your hands. You can also give online, or you can write a check, uh, QCC, you can write a check, or you can, um, you put that slide up there, there's nobody back there. Anyway, we're going to wait just a minute. Yes, if you give online, make a note that you're giving this for Stephen or today's speaker, if you don't remember all the details. Okay, we're just going to be here a few minutes more because we're going to pass the offering buckets. And if you had two figures that came to mind, God was saying the high one. And your fear was going low. And if you didn't get anything at all, I just, I just got nothing to say to you this morning. So now I'm messing with you. I think just put in a nickel. Just put, you know, just contribute something. It's awesome. God loves the widow's might. Courage. Take courage. Okay, while we're passing the bucket, Stephen, come on back up here. We're going to, he wants to pray for us. And I was wanting to do that as well, but uh, I think he should do it. So what happens is that when, when the word of the Lord comes, it should stir you and it should, it, it should cause you to feel restless. It, it should cause something inside of you just to want to shout amen or to shout something. That's when I know the Lord speaking to me is when the, when the thing that's on the in, inside of me, I can't keep it down. And um, I really want specifically Stephen to pray over us as a community. And, and here's what I'm looking for. I know for a fact that there's a, there's a calling on this church, a particular calling on this church to say something that the world has never seen before. But in order for us to do that, we have to be a certain type of community, okay? He talked about it in Luke 1. 
when the community of people heard something they didn't understand, okay, that happens all the time in the body of Christ. Something brand new happens. The community doesn't know what to do with it or understand it. And typically it's removed. Typically it's discarded. The thing that the Lord meant to be the brand new thing to bring nourishment and refreshing to the body of Christ and the greater kingdom was stopped. It was actually stillborn. And I want, I want us to be a community where when the new thing comes, that we're okay with not understanding it when it first happens. Because he said it, it's a long arc. It's a long conversation. And I feel like there's this stirring, there's this gift this morning that the Lord wants to us to give us the ability to be able to walk in the midst of things that we do not understand right away. To me, the best songs, I have to hear them six times before I get a glimmer of what they're talking about. And I want us to be a people that are strengthened in the spirit of the Lord and we're committed to community and to one another that when our artists and our musicians and our poets and our, and our engineers and our, the people in our midst who begin to do the new thing that we're a people that says, I don't quite understand it yet, but amen, Lord. Let it come. Let it come. So that's my setup. Sorry. No, that's good. That's good. You guys want to stand with me and <clears throat> let's... Uh, Let's just lift our hands back up to the Lord. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm doing this too, but there, the, Andy did that earlier in worship. And there really is something about just uh, the surrender and the, the open hands to the Lord. But Father, thank you so much, God. Lord, thank you for your love and your presence. Lord, thank you for your endless, tireless pursuit of us, God. Lord, we thank you for all that you have deposited in us. We thank you for all you've deposited in this community. Father, I thank you. Uh, for the calling and the invitation, um, Lord, of innovation over Queen City Church. Father, even inventions, Lord, uh, ideas that have not been seen before, blueprints. Father, I, just right now, by faith in you, Lord, I just release the bl- blueprints from heaven to Queen City, to this community, Father. And I pray for a release of uh, bravery, God, just uh, in, in angelic bravery, if that's even a term, but Lord, just release your bravery, Lord, to this community. And Father, I pray that right now that joy would just burn out fear, Lord. I pray that the joy set before them, Lord, that the joy set before us would burn away fear, Lord, and that we would be a people that can step through the walls in the same way that Jesus walked through the wall. Father, I pray that whatever walls of limitation or walls of fear or walls of burden, Lord, rather than fighting and getting all stressed out in that thing, Lord, let us be a people that walks through that wall because we are made of a substance stronger than the substance opposing your will. And so, Father, we receive right now fresh innovative ideas. Lord, we receive right now fresh creativity. Lord, we receive fresh blueprints from heaven. Lord, we receive the faith that it takes to step out, even like Robin was talking about Abraham. Lord, that as a rooted people, we would go out, Lord, that we would bear, um, we would have roots below and branches extended into heaven, Lord. 
and said, Father, I bless my brothers and sisters and my friends with a fresh wave of creativity, Lord, with a fresh wave of inspiration, but Lord, also a fresh um, diligence, Lord, to see it come through. I feel like that's what the Lord wants to release. There's, there's so much inspiration and innovation that's here because that's who you are as a people, but I feel like the Lord is releasing a fresh diligence to help us see things through to the end. So, Father, we just receive the diligence of heaven. It's like it's a it's a it's a rhythm. It's 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 the ability to to one step after the other until we see the finish of what God has called us and invited us to do. So I bless Queen City in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. All right, you guys, make sure you smile at somebody. Hey, find somebody this week that needs help and help them. You might want to take somebody out to lunch today, somebody that you've never met before. We got, can I get the worship ministry teams to come forward? And we're going to open up the front for a time of prayer. I think the ministry teams are going to be over here in this corner. If you want to receive more prayer this morning with the stuff that Stephen's talking about, we've got prophetic teams up front. I think they're coming up somewhere. Yep, here they come. All right. All right. If you want prayer, come forward. Have a great day. Have a great week. Be blessed.